0: Good afternoon good evening good morning and welcome to another episode of creating candor the quality of being open and honest my name is mariam and i am your host for now until forever because your bitch isn't going anywhere even if she takes a very long ass break um guys it has been a minute <laughs> Since I've actually even said those words Um, but you guys have been struggling a little bit to kind of get the creative juices flowing Um, and I had a massive case of imposter syndrome and decided that I wasn't going to do a podcast anymore but you know what we got over it we are back hopefully consistently um with more candid conversation to everybody that has checked in and asked where where it is I appreciate you um for people that have kept me accountable I appreciate you too um and yeah we're still in lockdown and it's just a bit wild to be honest it's all just a bit wild but you know we're still breathing we're still moving and it's it's all good ish Boy, anyway, so this episode that I've recorded um, was actually recorded the day after we first announced that we were going to be on lockdown officially Um, and it's an episode um, that actually was timely then and it's timely now as well, Um, it's still relevant, Um, it's on mental health, I sit down with Deji. IE, aka Dej the Ego, um, who is super knowledgeable on sort of mental health. And we kind of just have a conversation about mental health in the black community. And we kind of touch on a lot, actually. Um, the, my favorite bits include talking about um, the black community's obsession with weed and how it's affecting our black men, and genuinely just what black men are struggling with mental health wise going forward um so yeah it's a super interesting conversation Deji speaks a lot of knowledge even if he does like the sound of his own voice (laughs) um I mean we all do really we're on a podcast but anyway that's not the point the point is that this is an awesome episode please forgive the sound Please forgive the fact that you haven't heard from me in four weeks. Um, Please take in that it is Mental Health Awareness Month. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I know it feels like we're all going a bit crazy because of COVID-19, but mental health is just just as important as the physical health. So please make sure you're taking care of yourself mentally, as well as physically during this time and always. Um, Make sure that you are honest with yourself at all times. Be kind, be bold. and I will see you for the next episode in a couple of weeks. See ya. Yeah, do you have any other questions?
1: Um, nah, I'm used to it. I'm used to this, uh
0: you're used to it I can't see celebrities
1: don't do that don't do that
0: come and see ce- wow grow up grow up grow up grow
1: up grow up, <laughs> <laughs> grow up.
0: come and see He so said I'm used to this man can't even go Tesco no grow, up. Yeah. So grow up grow <laughs> up grow
1: up honestly we're gonna have to be an adult eventually <laughs>
0: oh goodness it's okay <laughs> if you're a celebrity that's calm
1: I'm not a celeb you're not a celeb no no, no.
0: alright okay
1: well,
0: um, oh, and also we're going to play a quick game,
1: alright. As, as well, cool. Are we? starting right,
0: with cool. the game. So, uh just the this or that, very quick, very quick fire round. You ready? Cool. Early worm or night owl? Night owl. Uh, summer or autumn?
1: Summer. Only, a, it, only a puta will say autumn.
0: Oh why? Why do you have to be your whore to like the autumn? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Well, biggie or two pack. Two pack. Mm. Ketchup or mayo?
1: Neither. Oh, what's your sauce then? Barbecue.
0: Ah, uh, I respect it. Cool. Sweet or savory?
1: Uh sweet. Sure. You got sweet too? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I wouldn't have thought that about you though to be fair.
1: Nah, I've got a proper sweet tooth. Like it's ridiculous.
0: What's your favourite like sweet thing?
1: Harry Bows Star Mix or Super Kiddies Mix or the Smurfs or the Jelly oh. Babies. <laughs> wow. Mountain Randoms are good as well.
0: Mountain Randoms are good. They are good. I do like those. Right, you're a proper sweets person, is not it? Yeah, proper. Um, Mercedes or BM.
1: Mercedes. Why? Just the shape. The shape. I like the shape of Mercedes. I like the interior as well. And I've never, like, people in my family have always had Mercedes, or well, my mum I should say. Like, mm. So I was just used to growing up in a Mercedes and I just grew to love it. It just seems a bit classier as well.
0: I can see why you would say that. Not that I know that much about class, but I can see why you'd say that. <laughs> uh Last one, R&B or hip-hop?
1: Oh, hip-hop.
0: Mm, really?
1: Yeah, hip-hop for sure, man. Hip-hop's hip-hop, isn't it?
0: I mean, well, yeah. So, But R&B is R&B, so. No, straight hip-hop, straight
1: straight hip-hop.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. can't fault you. All right, sir. Well, we've done a game. We haven't even said who you are. So would you like to tell the people who it is that you are?
1: (coughs) How should I introduce myself? Should I say, um, Dej... The um, mm-hmm. mental health practitioner Forensic mental health practitioner I should say Or should I say I'm Dej the ego the artist Or should I say You
0: can say it all, say everything Tell tell the people who all of you is
1: Okay so I am Dej I, I'm i Dej the ego first of all
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, who's, who's that An A uh, rapper Artist, Afro Bashment artist I would say Um I'm Dej, the mental health practitioner, uh, forensic mental health practitioner, I I should say. So I do like mental health interventions and assessments on people in gangs. And I Mm -hmm. am um, a part of Past the Meerkat as well, the animated podcast.
0: Which is dope, by the way.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Where can they find you, Dej?
1: Um, I don't actually use socials.
0: You don't use socials.
1: Why are you, oh, why are you questioning that? If I that? say I don't use <laughs> socials, I don't use socials.
0: Dej. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I'm kidding. You can find me at Dej underscore VU on everything. Or just type in, type in Dej on your keyboard and Twitter. I'll probably be the first person to come out. Or type in D. I'll probably be the... Second person to come up if you type in D. D your ego.
0: This is why they <laughs> call him ego. I'm right. Yeah, I'm yeah, focused. yeah. I'm oh. mm. Um, but yeah, I I came across you on the TL. Cool. And uh, what did you come you across at... me
1: for? What did what was it about? Was it past the meerkat Was it music?
0: No, it was <laughs> way before past the It was even before I knew you did music as well. It was when you were back when you were doing more of the mental health stuff like ages ago okay
1: okay
0: and then as time went on i realized that you also like did music and i was like oh okay Mm. and then obviously past maker has just come out recently as well which is really really good what was the idea (laughs) theology behind that like how did you even come up with that idea
1: um i was watching the ricky gervais show and then like I always, I kind of just come up with good ideas, and I'm kind of good at like creating things and just seeing how things are gonna play out, and just knowing when things link together. So it's like mm-hmm. the, first, the first part of it was watching a Ricky Gervais show, and I'm thinking to myself like, um, that's a sick idea, and I really really like the show. Um, and then I just thought like, Ricky Gervais show stopped. But if you think about it, Ricky Gervaiso was, like, the first original podcast. that like, came out in, like, 2005, 2006, mm.
0: 2008.
1: This was before podcasting is, like, where it is now, where it's, like, really popular. And yeah. everybody can kind of do it. But that was, like, the original podcast. And the original podcast, because um, podcast formats weren't popular at the time, they made a podcast, but they made it into a television show. So they put animation behind it.
0: Yeah. And then the
1: second part of it is just, like my friendship group um like just knowing like uh, so i'm in a a few different groups here and there but my main friendship group is just like really really funny and everybody thinks their friendship group is bare funny but Mm -hmm. this one was just like unique and me just like i analyze other people's friendship groups and i've been in a few and i know that this one was just like really unique really intelligent but at the same time really funny and the main Mm -hmm. thing was that we had good chemistry and what made us unique was that there's like nine of us in it, so it's like it's rare that you get good chemistry between nine people, nine
0: people and, yes, yeah,
1: and all of the interchangeable relationships in like the nine, basically, because like having nine people means that you got to do like nine times one is eighty-one different. Relationships, or like something like um seventy-two different relationships you have to think about. So my relationship with someone like Eman, and then my relationship with Superman, Tim, and then Eman's relationship with Tim, and all of that has to come together. Well, obviously, not all of them need to be ten ten, but they all need to be good enough to create like a really like magical or good chemistry. And like we, I think we came back from fresh Island in 2018 and that's when i was like we had a villa so we spent a lot of time around each other and that's mm-hmm. when i kind of gauged out, that like yo like this friendship group is actually something special and then it was just about how do you take this thing that you have that's special and unique and then make it content like how do you create into something that you can put out into the world and of course podcast podcasts were really really popping but i'm somebody that i don't like to just follow the tide i don't like of to- do what everybody else is doing and then when the tide changes you go on to the next thing which a lot of people do so mm. i was thinking how can i kind of make a podcast um put my my con my team's content out there and still make it sick and then i was i was watching the ricky jubay and i just suggested to my housemate that we could actually do this and the third part and the final step is having the means to do it so like you could have the first two stages cool but do you have the means to do it because one animation is incredibly expensive so yeah I'm, am I gonna get nine people that are willing to put in a big chunk of money and then number two is like all of the stuff that goes into making a podcast and making it in the way that I wanted to make it so do you have the ability to do it yourself or do you know somebody with the ability to do it and once yeah. you once you take into all of that take in all of that like take all of that into consideration is the money is there still going to be a budget there so it's like, I knew that I could do a podcast because I can, I like, I'm i really good at playing with audio. So it's like, I'm a sound engineer as well. So I knew that I could do that and then also take it to the next level more than just like basic level audio editing, podcast audio editing, making it into like a TV show with like sound effects and, mm. and then having nine people there and still having the clarity and everything. And once all of those things kind of uh, went into the pot, um, I was just like yeah like let's do this I had to pitch it to my boys be like yo like is everybody down for this and then seeing it in your mind how it's going to come together like the whole creative direction process audio editing process of course finding an anime art, 'cause because that's a really big thing as well and then once like we knew I could I had the, the people to do it the ability to do it and we found an anime I was like yeah this is this is going to be it basically it's going to be special and I know it just can't be it can't be replicated for a bunch of reasons. So it's perfect.
0: That was a very in-depth uh, view into your process there, which which I appreciate to yeah. be fair. I'll
1: do that. <laughs> I, I do that a lot. Sorry. I'm really
0: okay. I actually do appreciate it. It actually makes sense in terms of how it all came about. Yeah. Um, And to be fair, the pod is really funny. It's very, very funny. And you guys definitely have like the natural chemistry there. So,
1: you know, Thank you.
0: sounds like you were right to be fair
1: yeah man like i'm i'm i knew it was gonna be good but i'm even surprised about the way it took off and it's like i just know there's still so much room for improvement and if the first um the first season or the first few bits of it which was kind of like a pilot season um, oh. did that much like i know um that it's just gonna go off like when season two comes out and if we can start to create content quicker yeah um, like it's just gonna be incredible we'll just keep getting more fans the old stuff will always be there will always be good so i really want to like cement myself in like not the podcast podcast industry like i will kind of dip and dabble into that because it's popular at the moment so it'll be naive of me not to kind of um align myself with that that tide but really i just want to cement myself in like the tv comedy entertainment industry kind of thing and that's that's my of doing that Makes
0: sense. Absolutely makes sense, and uh, I'm sure it's going to do well anyway. I'll be uh, looking out for it. When is season two due out?
1: Oh, can I tell you that it's coming out? It's coming out. It's coming out. Um, it's coming out soon. It's coming out. It will be. It will come out when the sun is out. Basically, it it will come out when the sun is out in the next few months.
0: Okay, that's yeah. good to know. Okay, so. <laughs> The other part of you that you mentioned was that you're dead, the mental health practitioner,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and that's actually one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk to you today is because um, I feel like attitudes have changed towards sort of mental health and people are talking about it more, and mm-hmm. it's it's always a buzzword. I that it's come to I think. People are throwing, always throwing around like the depression, anxiety, you know, sometimes even the more severe ones. Um and so we're all a bit more aware of it. But I actually like from my perspective, the undertones of that is that we're not necessarily getting better at dealing with it. We're kind of great at identifying it and thinking, oh yeah, that's great. And we all self-diagnose but are we actually using therapists and has our attitudes towards therapy changed?
1: Mm. That's a, it's a loaded question. Yeah. Mm. I think, I think you're you're right in what you're saying and that it's more about people are just now more aware of it rather than accessing actual interventions like therapy for example um but i think that the first step to actually moving towards like the first step to taking it more seriously is always going to be awareness like you have to be aware of the problem so the fact that now there's like a big push about or over, like, the last two or three or four, four years, actually, like, five years, there's been a big push to making mental health more of a thing. And even some of the harmful narratives on the timeline or some of the neutral narratives on the timeline, just the fact that people are having a discussion about mental health Mm. and some of the harmful narratives are getting shut down, that's all of that. Like, the NHS, get pressure, pressure getting put on them to add mental health services, celebrities talking about it. Like, all of that is adding to awareness like awareness is literally the first stage like if they say that there's like steps of change like they've got this circle of change and the first step of the circle is being aware of the problem like you can't deal with your anger let's take anger as an example Mm. you can't deal with your anger without admitting and acknowledging you have an anger issue because if you don't acknowledge you have an anger issue then you could see an anger management class like your mum could run an anger management class but you don't see that as a thing for you you see that as a thing for other people So the first step is literally awareness. So the fact that I'm never, ever going to shoot down that there's been more awareness raised to it, it does kind of create this facade that now there's better awareness. Now um, people are accessing services or like there's been an increase or there's been uh, overall improvement in mental health. Like, I don't think that's true at all. Like, I think Mm. the awareness is the first step, but I think it's also made people kind of self diagnose which is... it can be a good thing and a bad thing so it's like it's like uh people now know like people are now able to articulate how they're feeling if they feel depressed or if they feel anxiety So it's like it's getting a lot more out there and then because they're able to articulate it to themselves they can then articulate it to other people like um their gp or whoever they're going to see basically so that all of that little all of those like confounding variables add to the fact that we are going to move towards a place where um, people are accessing mental health services so that's just the first step awareness awareness mm. is always going to be good some people are going to violate that awareness So it's like when something's popping um, you can start to exploit it because it's popping like people do human beings do this with everything yeah that's so, like, true Um, now mental health is a big thing it's like you can make a mental health joke on the timeline and it it will kind of it will bang like more than it would have like Mm. 10 10 years ago how it whenever twitter started years ago because it wasn't really a thing now you can like bust jokes about being depressed or um, like me tackling my depression or being uh, um, anxious Mm -hmm. and then people kind of overuse it that's the yeah. problem with awareness. It's like, it starts to become glamorized, and like, ah, oh, this is a new trend. Let me jump on this. Just like people, I was saying with the podcast thing, people jump on trends. So it's like mental health became a trend for a bit, it's still kind of running that. And some people just jump on it for the sake of jump jumping on it. And that can be harmful because then everybody acts like they've got depression or anxiety. And then the people that actually have it um, kind of get drowned out. Their story gets drowned out. Mm. But, but then in, in
0: all of this awareness though,
1: Mm -hmm. as much as
0: I think with raising awareness becomes understanding and with understanding comes kind of more tolerance and more accepting of certain things and of people which is great but what do you think Then the reasons are with all of this awareness and knowing that there are therapists and there is ways and stuff to move forward has there been an increase in in all of that or is it just kind of the awareness that we're working with because Mm. otherwise we're kind of just going around in this wheel of self-awareness and being able to articulate our feelings but nothing's there's no real action yeah
1: yeah and to be honest it's true it's like you know what awareness will cause he- healing for a certain amount of people. Some people can heal just by knowing that other people are going through the same thing they're going through. Some people can heal just by being able to articulate their feelings or being able to explain what they're kind of going through to themselves when they're having conversations with themselves. But that's going to be a small majority of the people. But we need we needed that awareness to now move to the space where I think we're in now, where it's like, okay, cool, you've got awareness, you've had that Everybody kind of knows what, what mental health is. There's still some people learning. Like, I think Zizzy Mills just the other day asked Wiley, do you suffer from mental health? So there's, like, mm-hmm. there's still some awareness and some educating, some psychoeducation that needs to go on. Yeah. But at least now we're at the stage where, like, most people know about it. What is the next stage after awareness? It's about literally normalising it. So it's, like, people can be aware of several things. It's, like, um, you could be aware of cancer. mm or, you could be aware of the coronavirus that's like that's this is a perfect example like everybody now is aware of coronavirus coronavirus has has marketed itself excellently now <laughs> it's about normalizing. If you have the coronavirus, so it's like there's probably better people that thought they had coronavirus. If you would have gone to them, they would have been like, nah, 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 because there was like kind of like this stigma attached yeah, to having okay. coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. For obvious reasons, obviously, it's like if you start telling people you've got coronavirus, they're gonna be like, oh, what the hell are you doing around me? Blah, 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 blah. Like
0: mm-hmm. even though
1: it's not a major thing, like it's not to the level of a mental health issue, it's still like you don't wanna be that person that's different from everybody else. Like, yeah, even exactly. though you even though you acknowledge that a lot of people have this around the world against the majority you're still like the odd one out so like there was a stigma around coronavirus and then a bunch of celebrities come out and say that they've got it and then the more people that do that and of course the more people that get that that normalizes it to the point where anybody can say they've got coronavirus like we might not be there yet now but it's like if mm. we to get to a place it's like everybody would be like oh you've got coronavirus and then the stigma will even come against the people that haven't had it because the majority of people have had it that's the way the world works so it's like now we're at the stage of normalizing mental health where people are confident to talk about it and then once you get past that defeat in the stigma stage which I think we're still kind of in like a lot of people are acknowledging this like if you're in mental health you acknowledge that this is where we're at and you healed this term a lot like we need to start fighting the stigma of mental health which is good and then after that's done then it's like cool everybody knows about mental health everybody knows it's okay for somebody to be suffering from a mental health illness then it's about actually pushing people to take up interventions basically and that that's down to the government one and that's Mm. down to society like of of course nobody can control society and culture that's going to move along as the world see fit but the government have like a really big thing to do in like actually pushing people to get like some mental health um some mental health interventions. and to me to be
0: honest how do do you think they're going to do that though like like because, obviously, with the smoking campaign, I guess you have adverts on TV and exactly. all of these yeah. things yeah. and blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah.
0: Are they going to do the same with mental, like, sort of getting therapy? and? So it's you know, like,
1: nobody, nobody can predict what they're going to do and mm-hmm. different governments have different views about it and it might come down to one person who might be the commissioner of NHS who's going to um, put some budget towards advertising mental health services. It's like, there's too many factors to know about it. But you've got a group of people that are pushing for this, like, are... Uh, the government, the people in government, the NHS need to start taking mental health more seriously. It's like a good example because um, I sit in some of these meetings now where they're making policy, and I'm trying, oh, to him, I'm trying to influence them to take it more seriously. And they're thinking, how can we do this? Well, I'm like, I'm like to them, like, listen, physical health from time you're a youth like, physical health is shoved down your throat. Like, you're strongly mm. advised to get a dentist and to go see your dentist every six months when you're growing up. And That's even true. even when you're an adult and you're expected to pay for the service, um, uh, you're still advised to go, like, once a year. Like, something as simple as your teeth, which you could see as physical health, but if you, you can go your whole life with messed up teeth, it's not going to really have an effect. It's not. It does not have an effect on your physical health. Like, it's not a life or death situation. Yeah. It's not affecting your functionality like it might affect your functionality if you're getting picked on but not at like the first <laughs> level
0: not at like when they're calling you buck bill in the playground yeah, yeah, it's yeah. clearly affecting you then yeah
1: yeah but it's like you can you can kind of get through it but they still kind of encourage that and they do that with a bunch of physical health like measures like in school you have school nurses that do eyes nose ent tests i think they're called where okay, they, they check yeah. your eyes your ears and your nose once every year when you're in like year one and year two and year three, so it's like they're taking that seriously, and that's like so they're basically saying, listen, we understand that this is important we're gonna make sure that regardless of you like because of our policies you're going to get this service, regardless of whether your parents want to do it or not or whether the child wants to do it or not like this is like basically a core module that they're saying, so it's like you have to see the school nurse um you most people have this like again it's like it's not enforced but it kind of is enforced it's like getting vaccinations unless your parent actually outright says i don't want my child to have a vaccination it's like they will give it to you so it's like an automated process it's kind of like when you sign up for emails and it's like instead of having to opt in you have to opt out
0: Out. yeah yeah
1: exactly so it's like that it's like little tweaks like that and the government know this the government understands psychology better than most people because they have advisors they know that more people are if you give people the choice like an overt choice then they're going to start choosing but if you don't give people a choice then they most most people are going to do what you want them to do so an automated service it's like why don't we do something like that for mental health like why can't you have a school counselor that has to see every single child once a year or once every six months like there's ways to like start um, introducing these interventions just like people have to see the dentist or the school nurse why don't you do that and it could just be like mm. an easy check-up like of course there haven't been a presentation of a problem so it would just be a little checkup. like uh le- let me just ha- ask the child a few questions do like one counseling session one play therapy session one level therapy session that's it and see if any problems arise because the whole the whole purpose of the the like ent test is to see if there's a problem that hasn't been so they can fix it before exactly before it becomes a a major thing where it's like okay everybody's going to be able to notice now because the child's actually going to be sick and if you literally take that kind of avenue if you take that if you do that with mental health then like a lot of problems will be solved before they become too hard to manage. And it's and and then, again, you're helping to the notion of it's OK to get treatment for this. Like, if you get an injection, a vaccination, that's so normalised. Or if you get sick, if you get the flu, that's normalised. Like, before the flu, it was like, you have the flu. Like, right, you're continuing. Yeah. It. Now it's like there's a flu season. We have a flu season. Like, people... A flu jab, yeah, exactly. Like, actually, as soon as you get the flu, that's probably one of the first things people want to tweet. They'll be like, oh, I'm ill or I've got the flu like i'm mm. not gonna get the flu you get you see it you see it coming in and out flesh is flu and all of this stuff so it's like mm. it's past the stage of normalization to now glamorization where people actually feel inclusive when they have these things so that's what i think it is like starting to like kind of doing things that society won't even be aware of to kind of address that stigma so then it's like counseling is normal and to be in fairness i think counseling is becoming more and more normal and i love that like, we're still, there's other mental health interventions that are still, like, way down the line. Like, you'll never see somebody on the timeline saying, oh, I'm about to take my my um, depression medication or anything like that. That's still kind of, like, oh, I'm not really going to talk about that.
0: A bit taboo, yeah. yeah
1: but counselling, you still you see a couple of people talking, like, oh, I'm going to see my counsellor. And all of that will encourage other people to kind of do it. Like, it's, it's Yeah, just
0: normalising it, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess. I think mental health is important to me um, as I trained to be a counsellor. I started becoming a counsellor and then I um, didn't finish because cause it was very heavy. Yeah. Um, but I think since then, I think because obviously when you train to be a counsellor, you have to dig around in your own head a little bit. Yeah, you have to. Um, you have to make sure that you are aware of what your own... Triggers and yeah, what you're what you're
1: going to be bringing to the session, basically exactly yeah,
0: and what you may need to protect bias from and all that kind of stuff. So I think it became quite apparent to me then how important like it was to one help yourself and two that others needed that help as well. Yeah, um, because if you think about all the things that we come to go through in life, yeah, like (laughs) like. the spectrum is so broad and so wide so wide that you kind of need as i think everybody needs at some point to go through some kind of like mot type test yeah. for mental health because before you know it you're in turmoil and you don't even know how you
1: got there exactly 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 yeah so it's like we have to be able to check ourselves and Like human beings just as a species, we're not going to know to check ourselves unless it's enforced. Like even though like because physical health has been so hammered into us, we wouldn't even know that we need to check our ears or we need to have a prostate exam at a certain age or Mm. any of the other tests that come in that are kind of like compulsory or, or like highly advised. We wouldn't know that unless the government told us like, yo, this is the norm. This is what we've seen over time. This is what we need to do to kind of tackle it and that's it like that's you literally just need to take that you need to take that approach to to, to to mental health and i guess i understand i always try to show an understanding as to why we're not there with mental health at the moment because mm-hmm. of course physical health is like it's the closest thing you're going to get to survival which is like a basic instinct basic human instinct so it's like you have a physical health problem it normally affects your survival so like i was having this i was almost about to have this debate on the timeline the other day i was like Uh this this whole lockdown has um like major mental health implications as in like yeah if we was to go in it for some people would have like major mental health implications but it's like it's the best thing to do because we have a a major physical health problem so it's like a mental health versus physical health battle basically but that doesn't mean you should just neglect people's mental health or so not think about that or try to delay or stop a lockdown if possible but of course your first priority should be physical health because it's like the it's thing, how you survive exactly, yeah yeah
0: and it's true actually this this coronavirus I think at the the time we're in at the moment I think mental health is actually a really prominent topic yeah. and um it's quite funny how this is actually happening today but anyway um because obviously yesterday or whenever this comes out we were told that you know basically we're on lockdown like we're not allowed to leave the house unnecessarily you know you're not allowed to go and buy groceries you're not allowed to go and see your friends you should work from home you should you should be working from home anyway all that stuff and you just you know if you get seen out for and not allowed reason then you could be fined or like incarcerated yeah, that's that in itself for someone who is let's say has great mental health at the time at this time is very scary and like anxiety provoking yeah. let alone obviously the people that do suffer with poor mental health already and you know sunshine and exercise and all of that stuff is really helpful to them yeah how are we going to cope how are they going to cope
1: yeah it's 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 mad but it's like it's one of these situations where unfortunately it's like there's nothing you can do Mm. the government won't say this but it's like all of these in a crisis like this all of those measures you've put in place all of these like self-care measures you've put in place to kind of look after your mental health they kind of go out the window because there's literally nothing we can do it's like again it's like that physical health versus mental health battle mm. um it's like it's just like there's two things i probably thinking about is one which is the first thing which is going to be the economy for sure how it's going to affect the economy and then two it's going to be people's mental health but physical health will trump both of those things and that's the reason we've, we've been told to go into lockdown now and it's one of those ones where it's like what do you even tell people? It's like, it's literally just a situation where it's like, there's nothing, there's not really anybody to blame in this scenario. It's just like, there's nothing you can do. Like, it's just, this is something that the world has has put onto us and we're just going to have to deal with it. So it's like, we're just going to have to deal with the repercussions after. Yeah. Like, basically.
0: What do you think the repercussions are going to be?
1: Um, I think, of course, huge economic repercussions. I think a lot of people are just going to feel different like I don't know like this could be like a mad bounce back like just the way the economy will bounce back some way it could be like a mad mental health bounce back because I'm thinking like and you've seen a couple of tweets about already my mindset is thinking cool I'm gonna be not I wouldn't say depressed but I'm not gonna be my happiest for the next three weeks while I'm in lockdown because I'm a very social person so I'm not gonna be at my happiest mm. but once this is done It's like I'm going to overload on that. And it's like
0: Yeah. I won't
1: even feel bad about it because I've literally spent three weeks inside. Like I'll be going out and then going out again and then going out again and overloading on that happiness. And because I know that a bunch of people have the same mentality and there's a backlog of fun, just like there's a backlog of all of these events that need to happen, like yeah, the premiership or the olympics like there's going to be a backlog of fun in your head NBA yeah,
0: like, past all of it yeah it's like
1: these things still need to happen they're still going to most of these things some of them are going to be cancelled permanently but most of them are just going to be pushed back to a time where okay cool the lockdown's done now we couldn't do what we wanted to do in this last month or two months so now we're going to push it on you now and that's going to give bare opportunity bare people opportunity to have fun it's like just because people just want that relief especially when you've been stuck out stuck at home for so long and hopefully it actually happens when it's summer so it's like
0: honestly oh my gosh yeah it'll
1: just be it's going to be so it's going to be like okay cool you suffer for now but when you when you come out it's going to be like it's going to make the summer better than it would have been if there was no lockdown basically
0: true we'll enjoy it more we'll, we'll appreciate exactly, it exactly yeah more. And
1: like sometimes i sometimes half of me thinks to this like if it wasn't for all of that, the death and uh, the fatalities and, like, the sickness and then the burden it places on, like, everybody else, like, with regards to funerals and everything, I'd be like, you know what, this is one of the best things to ever happen to the world as a collective to make you just appreciate life. And, like, yeah, definitely. Just, like, be nice to people and just enjoy life. Because literally, you know now, you have a perfect example now is that, we have very, very little control over what God or what Mother Nature, or whatever you believe in. We have very little control over what's going to happen. Like an asteroid could hit the Earth in 12 months, and then,
0: and then, exactly, that's it.
1: yeah, we can't, we we can't do nothing to control that. The government can't do nothing to control that. Just like the government can't do nothing to protect us from a pandemic, as you as we're seeing now. And this is the one, the one time where it's affecting the whole world simultaneously yeah i don't think we've ever had this in our generation like you had world wars but there are still some people during the war they weren't affected because they weren't involved in the war even though it was a world war this is something that's literally going to affect every single country yeah it's like simultaneously as well not like okay it's gonna affect you then it's like simultaneously affecting everybody it's like so i'm hoping that there's this like massive bounce back just like there's gonna be an economic that bounce back there should be like a mental health bounce back there's still going to be some repercussions of course but I'm hoping there will be something and the repercussions are just going to be maybe down to like other confounding issues so it's like maybe because this has affected your finances now you're you're not going to be like you've lost your job and then you're going like, mm. to your or maybe because they're now taking your con- predicted grades into consideration then now you're going to be unhappy whereas if they didn't if this didn't happen then maybe you would have been able to study harder get better grades and avoid that slump in happiness but it's just things you just can't control like i just i sometimes i just think what well, do you there's just there's sometimes there's just nothing you can do and this is one of those situations that there's not much you can do basically
0: yeah we have very little control in the situation at all um and i guess in a way it's a good thing because that's why we have the government because really and truly a lot of us would not be able to deal with the situations on our own as it stands um as you can see by you know guidelines going out and people still going out partying the next day like you know clearly we need that that direction and that you know the law being laid down so we need this lockdown um i definitely think though that people are going to some people are going to come out of this worse off um mental health wise anyway i think it's going to take a massive toll yeah. on people's mental health um as like you said it's it's just a repercussion of something that needs to be done yeah. um but i'm wondering i know there's not much that we can do but is there anything that we can possibly do to mitigate that like do you have any i don't know tips or tricks or just i would Words of wisdom.
1: I would say for for tips while we're in it, I would say Mm. try to create a structure. Like a lot of people don't know how to do this. Like when structure is not imposed on them, they can't create a structure. And this is something that you literally have to do like it's a task. So even when we weren't in lockdown, I have a task every Sunday night or like Saturday night to do my diary, my calendar. So I have I have bare things that just keep structure in my life, like my diary, I've got um, Marketing Timeline Excel spreadsheets And I've got my notes as well Like my to-do list on my notes So try to put that in place And try to do that For the foreseeable future So I was literally just My husband was just saying to me That oh he's bored And I was saying to him Like listen I can't live like this Where well, it's just like You don't know what you're doing A lot of people don't understand That human beings need purpose They need something to aspire to They need short-term goals They need long-term goals to f- Just to feel like They're doing something fulfilled Like a lot of people wish when they're working that they didn't have to work as in like they wish they could just stay in in bed and then but when you actually get that you won't like it because it's just it's Mm. not it's not like you need something to aspire to like we've always had that even if that's going to kill a bear so you can have bring meat home for your family you need something to do for that day so I would say try to create that now it's not going to be imposed on you so most people are going to be working from home or even when you are working Mm -hmm. from home there's no work to do try to create stuff for you to do so a lot of the things have been taken away from us so like gym so i have dumbbells luckily so every morning now i'm going to try to work out like it's not going to be a fully fledged workout like i would do at the gym but i'm going to try to spend an hour using my dumbbells doing my push-ups doing some skipping doing all of that kind of stuff that's going to take an Mm. hour maybe probably two hours out of my day then i'll take a shower and then this, this is a good time to cook meal meals as well like so plan cooking cooking can be fun it can be cathartic as well plan cooking meals have your play time as well so have your work time and your play time your play time will probably take up more than your work time nowadays but i have my playstation and then again i have past the meerkat which i've got a whole bunch of work that i need to do like i plan to spread this work out over like two two months or one month and now it's like I've got two weeks to kind of do it and so if I wanted to work nine to five I could impose that on myself if I wanted to do that because I got past the mid mm. and and I'm trying to finish this EP and I could do that like even if I didn't have those two things that I wanted to like continue my mental health agenda then maybe I could say to myself you know what every day I'm going to write a new thread which actually takes some thinking and some some like introspection and sometimes some research. every Every day I write a new thread. So and everybody's going to have their own kind of hobbies or things that they can do. Like some people, it might just be cleaning. Like even if you're cleaning a room that's already eighty percent clean, clean the room. Like you can still people people do that. Like old people do that a lot for purpose. You see them doing gardening, washing their car, mm. doing little bits and bobs around the house. All these
0: <laughs> coming to clean several times over and over and over again. <laughs> oh no give yourself, oh give yourself. It's gonna be a long I would remote.
1: say give yourself some sort of structure there's still bare things to do like you could do online courses there's still bare things to do like we're just not used to it which is the reason why there's a bunch of complaints but if you're trying to look after yourself it might be the hardest thing to do because it's like you don't want to do nobody wants to do work in the way we perceive work but work actually mm. keeps us going and makes us appreciate everything else we get to do when we're not working basically it's like it's actually good because you can't just be on your PlayStation for 20 hours you will get bored bored
0: (laughs) you should tell the 16 and 17 year olds that are at home now for just (laughs) for coronavirus that same thing
1: because that would be one of my tips um I would say I always give this as a tip have conversations with yourself every night so just think about how you're feeling and think about how you can change things Um, if you're feeling lonely use social media but use it correctly mute people people Mm -hmm. that do all of that kind of stuff have your friends set up your your house party with your friends online and just get your social need get your social stuff from there basically that's the only thing we're gonna have so try to do that i would say a lot of people are stuck at home with family members that they don't like or they get into conflict with i'll try say try to limit your time around them as well but then appreciate them at the same time there's a lot of stuff you can do but it's like you actually have to sit down and plan it
0: make it yeah yeah.
1: Like I'm actually gonna do this like cool if I spend two hours in the living room I'm gonna make sure I take myself away from the living room after two hours it might seem like you don't need to do that but that two hours you've taken away from the living room might stop you from getting into an argument which is going to affect your whole mood. And you don't have nowhere to run to. Like, mm. So you're still going to be in the house or in that room with that person that you argued with. So that's what I would say. Just try to think ahead. Try to plan for a problem before a problem has arose, basically. And do that. But yeah, keep busy, man. Like Try to keep busy. Give yourself work and give yourself play.
0: Yeah. I definitely feel like the structure one is important. I think the first or second day that I was working from home, I didn't have any structure and it was just all a bit I don't know it just felt a bit weird and obviously I've been unemployed before as well and you know that kind of lack yeah, of purpose yeah. I wasn't there for a while so it kind of just started throwing back those kinds of feelings of like just that purposelessness yeah, yeah. so I was like yeah nah structure has to be implemented here like i need to know what i'm doing when i'm doing it when i'm working on this when i'm working on that when i'm actually doing my nine to five um you know all of that stuff otherwise it's very easy to slip into just aimlessness and that's when problems begin well for me it did anyway
1: yeah it's tight man it's tight it's gonna be hard regardless like it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for me because these things that i'm saying are not they're not really natural. We haven't really had to do them to this level. And sometimes, again, if you live with a, like a family that you can't get away from, you might not have the means to do that. But do whatever you can. Like You're going to be the best person to know what you can and can't do in your life. And I would just say, mm. just adjust whatever I'm saying to your life. But structure is going to be key. Time away from people is going to be key. Time socialising online is going to be key as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh gosh, it's such a weird time. Such a weird time to be alive, man. Um, like it just feels so surreal. It doesn't even it doesn't feel like it's real.
1: Yeah.
0: I remember watching Boris say the lockdown last night and I was literally just like, "I this is going do to be wild." But what is it? I'm I
1: just I'm just like right now, I'm really just hoping that it ends before the summer is up. Like I would be really upset. It's like things like so things like this can take a toll on you. this is the kind of thing that would take a toll on me. Mm-hmm. I know I've missed out on summer. Like I like la- I'm somebody that I don't like to go out in the winter, but I really love to go out in the summer. And I like to spend like the whole of winter and probably spring doing stuff so I can enjoy my summer.
0: Yeah. yeah, And I would just
1: yeah. I would feel so upset if We come out of this and it's winter, and I don't want to go out anyway, like because it's cold. Like, that that would really upset (laughs) me. If I like people, another thing is like people need things like holidays, just yeah, definitely. Out on all of that, then it's gonna be very
0: Listen, I came to book all of the things this year. Like, I came to come and book Afro Nation, I'm meant to be going to Amsterdam in May, and then there's DLT Marbella in August and then I'm going to be going to Texas like there's just so much that like I came to do start to plan and I think that's another reason why people's mental health is going to like maybe slip is that a lot of people a lot of creatives have planned things yeah. for this period. You know, they've planned events, they've planned product launches, they've planned all of yeah. these different things, and COVID's come through they and been like, yeah, sl-
1: nah. COVID said, nah, <laughs> slap that down. <laughs> nah, was, nah, bro. Nah.
0: Yeah, your events canceled. She was like,
1: forget all of that. She was like, none of that. You're not doing none of that in April, you're not doing none of that in March. None of it.
0: It's, absolutely it's nothing premier league football came to come and just be going just gone like that Mm -hmm. basketball all of the everything's just gone it's like everything was just taken away from us so quickly yeah all the dreams hopes plans or whatever that we wanted to come and do is either we've cancelled them or we're now sitting there thinking right is that even gonna happen this year you know like i don't even know
1: yeah crazy man crazy
0: So, yeah, that's just it just it feels like everyone's a bit discombobulated, <laughs> everyone's just a bit bit on edge, bit more fragile than usual um yeah. but I get it definitely get it um so, I wanted to ask as well, like what has your experience been like being a black mental health professional? Like, what's your experience been like within your team with our community should i say and then working with just everybody in general
1: Ooh, you know what for me a lot of people will be like oh it's been difficult for me it's kind of been i'm very like real and like down to earth and like over in the way i say things so for me it's probably been one of the best things that have happened to me like i've been able people often ask me like how did you rise this quickly in the field you're in and how are you doing this or doing that? And a lot of it is down to, um, the two main things it's down to is the fact that I've, I've God has given me good articulation. So it, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm smart or I'm smarter than anybody else, but the best way to perceive smartness is through articulation that most people do, unless you're giving me an over exam. So it's like the fact that what I'm basically mm. saying, the way I talk helps, that's one that's one thing and the second thing is literally just being like a unicorn in a field where there's no other black black man really and truly like there's no other so it's like i'm in a very very unique position where it's like i'm a, one of very few black male practitioners and it's okay it's one thing being a black male practitioner but then it's like i'm a black male practitioner from london who who talks mm. kind of hood still very, very up-to-date with hood themes. Like, I'm very relatable. That's one thing, so I'm not. And then a lot of the client group are exactly like me at face value level and internally as well. So I'm saying, like, a lot of the client group are black men. And a lot of them are, Mm. I would say, hood black men or black men that have grown up in London that talk a certain way, that listen to a certain music, that behave in a certain, with certain mannerisms. So basically, I'm saying like mm-hmm. the the biggest thing, the biggest thing for me is that I'm one of very very few people in the field that has a related that has a high level of relatability to um a, a like a big portion of the cohort. I'm basically saying the fact that I'm a black man in a field where that is populated with white women, probably like ninety five, ninety eight percent women. The fact that I'm a black man and then the client group are also the vast majority of the client group are also black men puts me in an easy position because i can go into interviews and all i have to kind of do is one show up without wearing any makeup so that means show my skin show that i'm a black man and number two just 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 meet the (laughs) minimum requirements. so as long as i'm meeting the minimum requirements Mm. i'm in a better position than a white female even if it's like white females are white women are all on the panel i'm still in a better position because they're gonna know that they have a huge client group which is black men which their um white female practitioners are struggling to engage with and if they had this one token black guy this one unicorn then they could allocate a lot of that caseload to me and the whole relatability issue that they've been struggling with exactly like and that's happened throughout my career like honestly like you could see it in the way I get allocated cases, the kind of things people come to consult with me about, like it will be like the gang stuff or uh, something to do Mm. with like black men. And to be honest, I appreciate that. Like I I like that. Like it's it's stereotyping, 100% stereotyping. But it's like I'm one of these people that think we all do that. We all stereotype. And if they're coming to me because they're struggling to engage with somebody and they think that they're basically asking for consultation, then they're doing the right thing as a practitioner, knowing how far you can go with somebody and then getting them the help that they need from somebody somewhere else. That's literally what we do when we do referrals. We're literally saying, listen, I can't help you with this, but I know somebody that can over here. That's very smart. Mm. and That has helped me through my career. So it's like... or. The, that's the very good thing because it helps me with career progression and then it's like nobody kind of steps on my toes because like my remix, my remix. that's how i've got this gang's post it's not a coincidence that a black boy has got the gang's post the only the only fore- mm. forensic mental health. this is the only forensic mental health practitioner gang's post in the whole of london like in the whole of the uk it's the only um, post that's that's wow. a mental health post that's allocated to gangs. It's the only one in the UK. That's a very, very unique, niche thing. And it's no coincidence that a black man that was once in a gang that still lives in London, grew up in London, and kind of talks the way some of these gang members talk, got the post. It's not a coincidence. That's actually that's smart targeted profiling like that's what that is and that's helped yeah. me because if i didn't get this post then i might not be happy this is like the one job where i'm seeing i'm happy and it's like i've got so much autonomy and even my manager or my previous manager trusted me so much to do the work into to the point where it's like she's of course an amazing manager she was an amazing manager and she knew more than me about mental health so she could still consult with me but when it came to the gang stuff i was explaining that to her so it was like it was a, like a really really healthy partnership and that kind of puts you in a position of yeah. power like my company probably doesn't want to lose me because the prob- the person that's going to come after me isn't going to be a black man and relatability is probably the biggest it's known to be the biggest indicator of a good therapeutic relationship that is the more you look like somebody or the more you can relate to somebody <laughs>
0: yeah the better true. the
1: relationship is going to be from the offset of course there's bearable factors that come into play like the vibe personality traits but from your offset like and a lot of these black boys they don't want as soon as you walk in the room and you're a white woman they're going to be like oh this person don't understand me like they don't they don't even have yeah. themselves have the social intelligence emotional intelligence to see that okay just because it's a white woman then she might still have characteristics that i can relate to or the fact that it's a white woman might be better than better for me because i don't normally i've had i have had a bad experience of black men and i'm going to basically stereotype them because of what i've been through at a subconscious level they don't have the intelligence or the the introspection to to do that math to do that calculation so
0: yeah but in the saying that and they don't have necessarily have the the introspection to do that no but actually even outside of a therapeutic relationship sometimes you naturally feel more comfortable in yeah most the of the time that look yeah like
1: 100
0: yeah so you even for just from a very visual perspective you see someone that looks like you and you might relax a little bit especially in a room full of you know Nothing. people that don't look like you so it's really important i think yeah that there are black Practitioners, not just black male practitioners, but female ones as well. Um, but you said that your caseload was quite black.
1: Yeah, male like heavy. my caseload is like I've I've worked with probably around two hundred people, and I've worked with three people that aren't black men. Ma- men. Like.
0: So when what what kinds of things are black men suffering?
1: A lot of substance misuse, or cannabis addiction will probably be the main one, which is obvious a lay person could tell you that um a lot of anxiety which again makes sense if you're in a gang and your life is at risk every single day you're going to be anxious so Mm. that like sustained being in that a a sustained state of fear causes anxiety in people like people know that as in like if you're if you're scared for your life every single day then even if we take you out of that for one day because you've lived your life scared every day you're going to be scared on that day it's because that's what your mm. mind is accustomed to so if you got stabbed on the street and then you're walking on the street again you're going to be anxious because you've been stabbed on the street basically even though the mass will tell you how many times have you walked on the street and not been stabbed it that like, is just the way the mind works mm. so anxiety isn't an, a big one depression like but i think depression is common across the board all demographics i don't think that's like specific to a certain demographic, um, but yeah, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of PTSD. Again, because I work with gang members, and I don't really I know like schizophrenia is said to be a big thing in the black community, but I don't really work with people at that level. Like I'm more of a like an early intervention level, so so I don't really see that. But okay. anxiety and um, substance misuse. Tied to cannabis is probably the main ones.
0: What are the this, this kind of side effects of substance misuse?
1: Boy, like... Anxiety is one. Uh, par- paranoia. Mm. Um, lack of sleep. Um, aggression. Uh, and just an overall, like, huge effect on functionality. Feeling tired, not feeling motivated. A bunch of stuff, like, it's just... Yeah. It literally, mm. is literally like a, the cannabis is proper, like a killer, it's like a killer drug, like a proper suppressor. That's what I would call it, like, as in like, I'm just going to squeeze you into this space where it's like, you just want to smoke me all day and you, you're not going to have the motivation to do anything else except for smoke me. And once you smoke me, I'm going to suppress you even more, make, make you tired, make you sleep. Mm. And if you're not smoking me, then you're going to feel weird. You're going to feel tired still because you haven't been sleeping properly and you're going to feel paranoid. That's basically what it is, man. And I, I just think all around, all well, they say smoking anything, to be honest, like because of the chemicals going into your brain and the smoke, it makes you dumb. Like, it literally... That's the, that's the simplest way I can put it to people. Like, it will burn neurotransmitters. It will burn them out. It will burn... Mm. So, it basically, I'm basically saying it burns... It will wear out connections in the brain that will make you process information, first of all, in the wrong way, and a lot slower. Like, the more you smoke cannabis, if you've been smoking, especially when your brain's supposed to be developing, you will be dumb. Yeah, like, true. And you can... I think I can actually see that in some people that have been smoking for, like... 15 years like or 10 years since they were like 14 and they're now 24 like yeah you're gonna be dumber than other people like that's not that's not how you would say it in a professional way but that's that's basically what it is no yeah you're gonna be gonna be be less intelligent than most people because you're just not thinking right you're not thinking straight it's gonna make you make bad decisions and you need to be a person you're gonna probably be in a world where you need to make on-point decisions, not irrational decisions all the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just feels like something that we're never going to give up, smoking cannabis. It just doesn't feel like people are ready to let it go. And It's one of these
1: things where we're seeing this now, like when we're dealing with things like this, like cannabis, and the coronavirus, you need to not do individual psychology. You need to be thinking about group psychology. Are we going to be able to do this as a collective? So I was saying that's all right in Boris Johnson. I was saying that Boris Johnson needs psychologists on his team consulting him, as in, like, people that understand group psychology. It's all right telling one person. If you tell one person, stay in your house. Cool. that one person's probably going to stay in their house if you tell a million people to stay in their house you're probably going to get two thousand three thousand people that aren't going to stay in your house just because they don't really care about the problem or they're not obedient anyway like we have people out here committing crimes disobeying the rules like they're not going to listen to stay Mm -hmm. in their house instructions because you've told a million people or in the uk's example 60 million people to stay in their house you cannot you would be a naive person to expect 60 million people to stay in their house and you also have to think about how many people are going to disobey these orders if you get people disobey if you're going to get if you're speaking to 60 million people then you might have one million people that disobey you one million people is enough to Mm -hmm. make it look like it's a problem in the grand scheme of things so it's like if one million people come out of their house it's like you've got ten thousand on the beach here then it looks like you're being disobeyed by the whole population but you're not like you're not you're yeah. being diso- disobeyed by a small percent of the population, but they still that still means big numbers because your sample size originally was was so big. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's like, huge. And then you need to realize yeah. because you're gonna have a huge number of people. So a million, let's say he tells one million people in London to stay in their house, and then one thousand people disobey him and go to an event. And then people on social media, through other means, are seeing 1,000 people at this event. And then they're thinking, right, other people are not really taking it seriously. And there's bears of them. Like, it's not just like, it's me. There's bears of them to the point where if I actually went to this event, then the police are not just going to pick me out out of all of these people. And the police aren't going to be able to arrest everybody anyway. So then you start thinking, if everybody else is doing this, why am I... Exactly, yeah. That like, wow. same thing happens in supermarkets. Like, people don't understand that... The people that go to these supermarkets are not the dumbest people in society. They're just the people that are thinking to themselves, cool, there's about to be a lockdown. Let me go and buy some food because I don't want to be left in a position where I haven't got food. They're not thinking about everybody else that's going to be coming. Mm there. They're thinking about themselves. Once they get there, then it's like you see bare people and then you're thinking, "Ah, I shouldn't really be here because too many people are congregating in the same place. But you're not gonna be that one idiot that's like, I came all the way here and I'm not gonna get any bread because I don't wanna be, I don't wanna be the people to congregate. And then everybody else is still gonna congregate everywhere anyway. So you're thinking you're just not gonna get your food. So then you're in a situation where you have to congregate because you've come to a place where loads of other people are. Like people need to start seeing this as, this is 1000 individuals that make up a group and we need to re- realize how these v- individuals are gonna behave. In the context of Bank a group, yeah. not as individuals. You can tell one person not to go to if Boris Johnson went to one person and said to him, Don't go out, that person's not gonna go out because that he's talking to you. But you have to analyse things as a group. And that's what I'm saying about cannabis. It's like it's easy for me to say to one person, again, global is a good example. It's it's easy for me to say to one person, Ah, oh, you shouldn't smoke cannabis because you're creating a culture within the black society. You're like perpetuating a culture within the black community in that that's becoming our our drug of choice. And it's like the youngers are smoking it up until like old age and that's becoming our drug of choice. And our drug of, it's dangerous to have a different drug of choice to the majority of the population because there's going to be less research on that drug because it doesn't affect white people. That nobody's going to really care unless we're going to do it in-house ourselves and we're not we haven't got the power to do the means to do that yet like you need to do it on a a grand scale then it's going to be like a lot of things are happening Mm. and cannabis effects are sometimes long longer So it's like you you need a longitudinal study of like 10 15 years if we don't have the people to do this then people are just going to be smoking cannabis and we're going to be thinking we're all calm and we're all fine because no one's doing research to tell you like these are the effects of smoking cannabis because white people are not on the drug like that white people do smoke it but it's not their main thing like they're not going to be doing research like they're doing research on alcohol or they're doing research on cocaine because it's not affecting their mm. people which is like that's people are selfish in general yeah. so it's like we could just be doing this we're perpetuating a culture and it's so hard to tell one person that like, somebody like me like imagine i was a weed smoker and i just wanted to smoke once a week or twice a week and just pick up from my dealer and just smoke casually like it's not really affecting my functionality i don't smoke too much but i'm still perpetuating a culture by smoking like i might have a little brother or a nephew that knows i smoke weed and then they're gonna go and follow on from that because they think it's cool this is what black people do this is the norm for black people but it's so hard for me to for anybody to tell me not to do it because i'm thinking to myself come on in the grand scheme of things I'm not really affecting everybody. That's what people think about global warming. That's what people think about coronavirus. You're thinking to yourself, just me, little old me, in the grand scheme of things, um, affecting everybody. So it's like we almost need this group unity in saying that, oh, we're all gonna cut down smoking weed and make it less cool for our culture. But it's just hard. Like I just don't see it happening. Sometimes I just think to myself, I don't have the lifespan. I don't have the years and the power to make this change and so i'm just like i might as well and it's going to stress me out trying to do it and failing so i might as well just live my life Mm -hmm. and enjoy it let it affect the people that it affects and me try to influence the people around me so that's my girl or my son or my friends and everything and making sure that they don't fall into this trap and then using that so they branch out to their children and their sons and everything but with regards to making yeah. like a whole like black culture change like no nah, like, i've kind of given up on that dream i'm just doing what i can from like in my work and in like my immediate vicinity because right now it's our drug of choice there's going to be no research on it for the next probably 10 years there might be a black person doing research on it right now your results are going to come out in 10 15 years and by that time it's going to be too late like if you do research into what happened with um crack and the CIA, in like LA and in America and everything, that's something but when you when you tangle things up for generations, they take generations to untangle not It becomes not my fight, basically. It's, it's not...
0: It's yeah, I don't think it is your fight. I don't think it's anyone's fight really and truly. I think it's as you said, it's a drug of choice and it's yeah. a lifestyle for a lot of people. Um, it's And for a lot, it's an addiction. Yeah. If we're we're calling calling it, it's an addiction. Um. And if we look at all of the kind of substance misuse and alcohol being the main one, I suppose, or the more quote unquote hardcore drugs, all the signs and symptoms are the same. They're just probably less like drastic in the short term. If that makes any sense. So. People think, oh, yeah, I'll stop when I'm old. Or, oh, yeah, I'll stop when, you know, I get to, you know, or I have kids, or I'll stop then, I'll stop then. It's what people do with cigarettes as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, You see, cigarettes are fantastic. Another fantastic example. Like, it came into into the world, and then after, like, 20 years of people smoking and it becoming a habit through generations, then people know it's like, yo, this is actually a big problem with regards to, like, physical health problems like cancer and stuff and now Mm. they're doing they do they've got major drastic measures to kind of untangle that stuff and they still don't even work like how can people don't understand how drastic it is because it's not it's been around for time but how can you have on cigarette packets in black writing as in it's not even in the same font of the brand of the cigarette it's in black and white writing and they say something like, ah, oh, smoking so and so cigarettes today, you're 10 times more likely. They have that on the packet, like with graphic, yeah, exactly. With it's graphic like,
0: pictures. and that's
1: on the packet that people are gonna be using to hold the cigarettes like that is so mad like that's like somebody's telling selling you cannabis and it's got this big writing on it like don't smoke this please because you're gonna kill yourself it's basically like saying that and then it's like they hide cigarettes now as in like you're not allowed to have cigarettes on show they have to be behind the charts like these are drastic Mm -hmm. measures that the government have put in place because it's affecting their people—it's a—it's a massive thing in the UK, and now they're spending generations trying to untangle this. They're probably hoping in thirty years less people smoke because they're literally making it less less accessible and making the the um the consequences more accessible. But who's gonna do that for cannabis? Like no one's gonna do that for cannabis, and it's like. Even now, like people still smoke, like even with those messages on like people still smoke. They've been smoking since I've been alive. So that's a good twenty five years, twenty five plus years, like. So it's gonna take long to untangle and we don't have again, we're not developed as a society, as a people, as, as a community. It's unfortunate, but because of things that have happened in the past with regards to slavery, we're just not developed. So we don't have as many researchers as white people do like no one's going to do the research mm-hmm. so some of these things get implemented we're still in a place where we're fighting for cannabis to be legalized like they say now if they knew what alcohol was going to do to people alcohol wouldn't be illegal but because they're still so, they're too deep in in it alcohol wouldn't be legal but but because they're too deep in it they can't now make tobacco illegal and they can't make alcohol illegal because it would cause basically like a riot that's how deep they are in it because you're thinking if you're going through all of these measures to to stop people smoking cannabis, why don't you enforce those measures? It's because uh, they can't, because they, they know it would have yeah. like proper repercussions. And probably some of the policy makers are addicted to, to tobacco themselves. And that's, that's a problem that's happened of with course. tobacco to, I wouldn't even say white people, but I would say people that live in the UK. So when there's a problem that affects us, like more specifically us, like it's not a major problem for white people. It might become a major problem for white people in the next few years, but for us, our drug of choice it's not heroin it's not crack cocaine it's cannabis at the moment like and because it affects us like no one's gonna who's gonna do the research it's like another upcoming drug in our society lean like no one's gonna do research on lean like until and until it becomes a uh, big enough of a problem it's where true. it affects people that have the power to exactly it's just and it's sad, which is why I just think I'd, I'll i just do what I do. Like, I'll make a couple, of, a couple of tweets. If I stop one person from smoking weed, then I've done my, my due diligence for, for that period. And I'll just make sure that my sons aren't going to smoke it or my friends aren't going to smoke it. Simple. That's it. That's all I can do.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right in that sense. You're absolutely right. It's just sad that as you said, there's a there's a large demographic of black men in, you know, difficult positions mental health wise. And obviously a large chunk yeah. of them, you know, are there due to this drug. Um I know that you work more on like a gangs unit, but I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. male mental health as a whole. I think it's become especially more of a buzzword recently in terms of you know, male mental health, things that they struggle with just on a, a general scale. Um and obviously the the big debate on the timeline that we have about patriarchy and blah um, blah 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 and all this kind of stuff. I know long. Um but in general, what are black men suffering with in general? Just not necessarily within the, the sort of your unit, but just in general I
1: would say depression for sure. And I would say depression and the pressure. So I think there's a lot of pressure and I think pressure is not a diagnosis, it's not a known one, but I think it just has implications for like various aspects of mental health and cognition. So I'm saying like, I think as a black man, there's just a lot of pressure, like there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of dislike from several corners of the world like so sometimes you can feel like black women hate you um i think you would have to think deeper to kind of get yourself out of that but like you come on if you have twitter for like a year and that's the only place you got your your knowledge from then you would probably leave that year thinking black women don't really like you or like you less than they actually do I definitely Do you think that's true. Remember, true? remember what I said. I said, if Twitter was the only place you got your information from, and I'm talking about, I'm talking, so I'm talking about like mm. our Twitter, like our society kind of thing. Yeah, like, so if that it's was that the Twitter, only place, yeah. you'll never get this scenario because it's like, it's unrealistic. But if that was the only place you got your knowledge from for like a year, and I would say maybe like the past year or the past two years, um, then I would think you would leave that, you would conclude from that knowledge that, um, black women dislike black men or the majority of not all of them again I'm not like I'm saying that, like as a general thing as a general thing and I don't mm. think it's like ah uh, 90% of black women hate black men like I don't think it's that clear cut but I still think it's more towards the side of from what I see on Twitter like I have to sometimes remind myself that this isn't what's happening in real life and I have tons of black women friends and like just just like my friends do and I think the reason that is, as part of like, it's a backlash against how black men have treated black women in the past or are still treating black women, basically. I think that's a backlash on that. But for now, I'm just talking about my specific problem as a black man or how I think we are. I c- remember, I can't see it from a black woman's perspective because I'm not, I'm not them.
0: Of course. That's <laughs> fine. Don't worry, I'm not coming to jump down your throat. That's okay. Yes,
1: yeah, so I mean, <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> yeah. Bruh. We're hated by or we're not hated by black women but i think there's a lot of hostility from us to us from black women there's a lot of hostility from i would like, i would just dis- there's a I lot of hostility that, from sure. other demographics as you can imagine like black men are just known to be scary to most demographics so um i don't even need to get into that but like from um police brutality um and just all of that stuff like so i feel like in mm. the world like i think a lot of the t- a lot of the time black women feel like they're at the bottom of the food chain and i never liked doing like oppression olympics or whatever like yeah but olympics. um from again i haven't lived a black women's life so i don't know and i know they have it bad but as a black man sometimes to me it feels like we are not at the bottom of the food chain because i think we're just a lot more like we do stuff like as in we're doing stuff as in like we can we proactive about things but i think we're probably because we're quite proactive and stuff i think and because we're active i think um as in like we're less i'm saying that we're less of victims and sometimes more perpetrators but i think because of that we're the most disliked group so i don't think we're the bot. i think black women are in the world like they're the most disadvantaged probably but i think we're probably the most disliked and both of those two things have Come with their own set of problems, Like they come with their own set of problems, and it doesn't need to be a competition. But I think it's just, it's just, it's just dangerous being a black man. Like, even I think even black men don't like black men to an extent. As in, like, if you look at the gangs and stuff, like, if you're a gang member, you can see a white man walking the street, and you're not going to trouble him because you don't think he's a threat to you. If you see, if you see a black man, you start asking him where are you from, mm. that kind of stuff. So it's like there's a lot of stuff that comes with that, and we'll get the same thing from the police so like because again because we don't come across as like uh, the, the vulnerable group we come across as like the perpetrating group that comes with its own set of risks and just basically hostility towards you and dislike towards you so i think there's a lot of dislike pressure pressure comes from again like you still have to be a provider and you have to be a provider when you're a weak inside as well so we're not white men Um, but we still have to be providers and there's more of a culture being generated as we go along the years of that as in like oh you have to start earning money or so and so earns this so you have to do that and we're still in this stage where men are predominantly seen as the provider or you're supposed to be the provider so even if I think it's okay if like I'll be calm if my my girl earns more than me I would even be happier because I think I'm more equipped to deal with all the stuff that comes with being not not earning as much money as somebody that you see as your competition but i'll be happy but i think a lot of men wouldn't like because it just comes with a lot of pressure and it comes with like people are going to judge you or you're going to be embarrassed or someone's going to say something about you mm. so i think pressure is the main thing but i think that 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 makes us do a lot of shit so it it, it affects i think,
0: but who I, puts think that I think it comes in, from then, everyone where like, does that literally pressure no one can
1: kind of say ah. Oh, i'm not responsible for this black men themselves like i think just like with the hostility i think everything comes from everyone like where it's not like there's a one set group that put this on us like no because one set group doesn't have the power to do that i think it's just a collective in the world like black men do it black men black women do it white people do it like that's just the way it is like it's just it's it comes like there's too many different different like aspects of it to even like go into like just being a man in general comes with its own set of things and then you're a black man and so then you have to deal with another set like it's there's way too many things to come into but it's like it's it's a what it's a collectively the world a world effort basically it's like what we've oh, wow. all done to, to get us to this space and some of that is not it's not going to be our fault. the people that are living today it's going to be from generations back and some of the things that were kind of like yeah i'm not here to kind of blame everything on the white man and put everything down to slavery but i think a lot of stuff will kind of kind of stems from that a lot of stuff stays from slavery and just like patriarchy so but it's like we're here now there's not even any point in talking about where it came from because there's there's no way to do the research there's no way to tie it down to one thing there's too many different factors you can't weigh them so you might as well just talk about where you're at now. And this is where we're at now, basically. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just think there's a lot of pressure. And I think pressure is probably the main thing that causes like just risk-taking behaviour. First of all, black men are known for risk-taking behaviours. So like committing crimes or doing things that you, nece- you shouldn't necessarily do, maybe to impress somebody or to get in- to get money or something. And then depression, when you can't live up to the standard that has been set. But you can't talk about it either.
0: But why? What? So what is it? Do you feel like you? Okay, so obviously we know where it comes from. We know that a lot of black men were obviously raised. A lot of men in general were just raised not to be emotional, not to speak yeah. about how they're feeling, not to talk. You know, that's not a masculine trait. It's not how we view masculinity, etc., etc., etc. But. Obviously, well, I'm not necessarily obviously, but I would say recently there has been a massive push or a massive campaign for men to talk more, to be more vulnerable, to open up more, to talk amongst themselves, to talk to their partners, to just talk yeah. in general or talk to a therapist or whatever. Um, I would say up until maybe about a year or so ago, Most of those campaigns that I saw were spearheaded by black women. I would say more recently, there's been more men sort of standing up and like holding groups, et cetera, et cetera, which is great. But it's still nowhere near as much as maybe it should be. If you're saying that, you know, there are high caseloads of black men and mental health units suffering all from all of these things yet yeah. there's still this it's just i think talk again
1: about it. like <clears throat> it's what i was saying like when you when you've t- tangled something up for generations like like it's just gonna it's gonna take a while mm. if you even are able to find the beginning where you can start to begin to untangle things it's like when you're looking for like when um tape has been wrapped around something for so long and then the first thing you even need to do is find where you even start to pull the tape back, and then after you found that, that's when you need to start doing that. Like yeah. a lot of, I'm this... um, what?
0: You're very good at analogies, by the way.
1: I know, I know. I, I love very I love good analogies. analogies. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. <laughs> like, so yeah, it's you need to picture. remember a lot of this stuff is a facade. Like, as then again, it's like it, the paradox is that men are supposed to be the leaders of these things. So a lot of the time, men try to. Present themselves as the leaders, even in like the mental health race. It's like we're still trying to present ourselves. So it's like if you go to the top of the mental health, like, um, field, like it will be men, there will be a lot of men, and again, that's down to patriarchy and down to the way society mm. has kind of made us. But we're not the lead, like, you can tell we're not the re- leaders because there's still some things that men will never ever talk about, and I'm talking about like, I'm talking about maybe. of men will never talk about like a men like imagine uh uh, a man was raped when he was young like and this is you you, like you'd be naive to think that this isn't happening on a major scale like maybe not to the point Mm. maybe not to the the rate that's happening to young girls but it does happen because young boys are vulnerable as in like power can be exerted over them just like young girls mm. Not like when you're a young boy you're bare strong and you can beat up your uncle or beat up whoever so this is definitely happening especially in Africa no man is gonna come out and say like I literally cannot think of one person and that's why we don't have a lot of cases of this happening in real life like we don't have a, a good disclosure of that so it will make you feel like that's not happening the disclosure The disclosure rate is so low that all that people don't even put those stats out there because it just seems unrealistic so i'm saying like if i was to interview two million men or let's say 500 million men and i was to ask all of them were you ever raped or did anything like were you ever sexually abused and then the stats that they're getting back is one person is saying yes they can't put those stats out there because they already know that that is not going to be true. It's just, it's, it can't, that can't be true. Like it cannot be true. Mm. That can't be true. Like it can't be true that one in 500 million um young boys are um sexually abused. It just can't be true. Like, and the way people, the perpetrators are found, the way they're getting stats for this is through people getting caught from other means. But not all, not everybody gets caught, especially with a with a with a situation like that. Like things like that, that's just an example. of Things like that, men will not talk about, no matter. Like I, you can, you can be spearheading anything. It's very unlikely that you're going to talk about that. Like even though you will be the person encouraging other people to talk about it, when it comes to you, you just wouldn't want to say that because that's so far from acceptable yeah yeah exactly yes it's, it, how you it's do so far from you yourself? Exactly. I, just, I really don't understand how anybody would ever say that like even me thinking about it for myself with all of the championing championing of therapy and talking cure i do i just couldn't imagine myself saying that like think of this is an experiment everybody should do if you're listening think of your deepest darkest secret like something that you don't want anybody to know like think of it something that you haven't told anybody i believe every human being has probably got this something that you haven't told anybody alive like you haven't told one person think about that and how much it would take for somebody to get you to say that out like it's just it's impossible so it's like and because of masculinity and because that's so far from being normal stuff like that people will just be harboring in themselves like they will just be harboring it in themselves and that's stuff mm-hmm. like that is just gonna damage you like again I'm, I'm a big believer of a talking cure but stuff like that has an effect on you and it's still like you're still in your head you're still perpetuating this masculinity so it's sometimes not even about other people just you in your head you're having a battle with yourself exactly yeah you're having a the battle with how yourself, you yourself. because you allowed this to happen to you even though you had no power over the situation or this has happened to you like it happens like trust me like and you see it like you see like there's cases that i've dealt with where it's like i came into the interview knowing that a guy was sexually abused it's like we had the information there because that information had been gotten from other means like the the mum might have reported it or a family member reported it or the dad was arrested. So it's like we come into it it, knowing and they still don't want to talk about it, but you can see how the way that that affects them and how the way that has affected how they've operated growing up. And it's like the effects are massive. So imagine all the people that we don't know that this has happened to that are just like kind of out there living it or just harboring it in themselves. And you think it's not going to manifest themselves in some sort of way like at least now um it's still a tragedy of course but at least now with some things you have the support of other people coming out and saying it so it's like it's being normalized t- to an extent and normalization helps like it doesn't totally cure
0: mm. how you
1: feel about it but it helps to an extent and the, the, like i think a lot of black men don't even have that like Like, and I I see it again, I see it firsthand, so I know this is happening. Like, I know this stuff is happening, but it's just not being disclosed because, no, I I, again, I just can't imagine any man saying this.
0: Yes, but I guess, I guess I get what you're saying, and I think maybe because what we do on Twitter is we follow people that think like us or that you know have similar opinions to us and i would say from the general consensus that i know Mm -hmm. you know therapy among men is becoming more normalized or it's been it's been spoken about more there's been this more of a an acceptance to towards men's feelings towards their emotions and them being validated etc 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 um but also, on the other hand, it's almost like you guys shoot yourselves in the foot because you continue to, despite that, uphold this yeah. patriarchal ideal in your head. Yeah. That's probably the wrong way to put it, but you know what I mean. Like, in your head, that you guys have to be this thing, even though there are yeah. several people telling you that you don't, you don't anymore. I guess it goes back to what you were saying in terms of it's going to take a lot of time because it's you yeah. obviously generation, <laughs> generations and generations
1: and um, generations. It doesn't matter how many, many times to you're told and... something in the last year. It's about how many times have you been told something in the last twenty years. So it's like if I tried to tell, if God came to you and said to you now, one plus one is not two. One plus one is three. The first thing you're going to do, even though it's God, you're going to look at your, you're going to be like, what? How you? T- how's this guy telling me? that one plus one is three. One plus one is two because that changes everything you've known. That that has implications on everything mm. you've known as you've been growing up. Like that's been hammered into you. Like you've applied that logic that one plus one is two logic to most things as you've been going through your life. So how can somebody now come, imagine they changed the whole math curriculum and it was like, you know what? Nah, one plus one is not two anymore. It's not two, it's three. Like you're going to have a hard time adjusting to that. That might take you five years to adjust you. It might take you 10 years to adjust. It might You might never, ever adjust to it. So it's like, no matter how many... No matter how how okay it's being made to be... And remember, we're not getting this on a global level. It's not like everybody's on the singing from the same hymn sheet on this one. So you've got a good... You still no, have a good proportion true, yeah. of the population telling you, like, yo, this is all right. You still see that narrative on Twitter 100%. Like, yo, this is all right. This person's doing it, or these people are doing it so it's okay for you to do it but still there's there's still some unwinding to do in your own head some unlearning to do like literally having to unlearn something that you've applied a code that you've applied to your life an algorithm you've applied to your life for the past 20 plus years like you'll be naive to think that's going to happen in two years let alone uh two months of twitter rationale
0: I mean, this is true. This is actually very, very true. Oh, <sighs> um, I think that's pretty yeah, much most it of. I mean, you covered a lot, actually. To be honest, You did cover quite a bit. Um, I'm gonna get you to free the realness in a second. Um, because. That's just one of the things that we do when Creating Candor, um, which I actually didn't come and introduce, but it's fine. I will <laughs> add that in later. Um, yeah, you're going to rant up. for thir- thir- 30 seconds. Do you what want do 30 I have seconds to, do I I need to rant about anything? You can rant about anything you like. Oh, it's completely up easy, to you. Or you know? do I want to write about
1: um, okay, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me thirty seconds.
0: Yeah. You want thirty seconds? Okay, I'm gonna time you and everything because of us. Because I, I can't count thirty seconds. I hope regularly. so. All right, you ready? <laughs> Three.
1: Okay, two, I want everybody to go one, and watch past go. the meerkat because. It's a really, really original idea. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? No, you need to... Grow up. 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 Have some class. have some class. and he came to plug his
0: whole
1: podcast. Just have some (laughs) class, honestly. You don't have to do it like that. You don't have to do it it. like that. I
0: said, do a second of my podcast. That rant, yeah, for thirty I'm seconds, like, and you yeah, came to I
1: plug the, your whole podcast. Back so, me, yeah, me. Yeah, go and watch faster. Yeah, exactly. it's now. It's, so. it's really good. Um, it's unique. <laughs> it's 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 hilarious. It will take up forty minutes of your time in this time where we're looking for things to fill our time. Um, it's a very very original idea. Mm-hmm.
0: That, that, you said that already, sir, and your 30 seconds is actually. Grow up, or, honestly,
1: have some class. <laughs> in, in, in the next <laughs> podcast you do, I want to see some class. That's all I'm gonna say. I, I've
0: had, class. I have I class, see, thank you very much. I need least. to find some cats. At least just have a
1: bring a molecule of elegance at Don't <laughs> move, don't move like
0: cow. this, honestly. <laughs> you literally just did grow your up. own thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? It's only to grow up since you answered the call. Yeah,
1: because I only like to chill talk to adults.
0: Uh, you've spoken to a fully fledged adult. Thank you. Even though I don't feel like I'm an adult. My God. Um. Anyway, so where can they find this past cat thing anyway?
1: Um. Just like literally, we've done enough now, so you can just Google it, put it on Twitter, put it on Instagram. Oh.
0: Oh, come and see. Oh, ego. dead. The ego. Hey, throw up, throw <laughs> up. come and see. Just Google us, darling. It's fine. You just, if you just type it in Google, yeah. Yeah, it'll be there.
1: Google look, it. Look, look
0: there. Okay. Is that how you're moving? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to plug while you're at it, Mr. Ego? Um,
1: nah, just pay a. Pay attention to my socials if you like some of the stuff, I've, some of the themes I've spoken about today. Follow me, chat to me, keep me busy, you know.
0: I mean, he might tell you to grow up.
1: If, you but, like, if you mean, you're behaving I childish, then this. you know?
0: How, would, how I was I behaving childish?
1: We'll speak about this in the morning, okay? We'll speak about this in the morning,
0: okay? <laughs> oh, my God.
1: That's <laughs> what you have to be for the kids. That's <laughs> that what you have, to be. That's what you have so to, to be for the kids. We'll speak about this after lunch, okay?
0: no because I want to speak about it now and you're making me look like more of a kid Go and I to need UFC, it. Yeah.
1: I've got a class to teach
0: anyway so Degis has nothing else to plug which is great because he's <laughs> spent enough time plugging his own rubbish <coughs> <laughs> on my podcast um, thank you guys for listening so far thank you for all your listens for all your feedback and your support I appreciate you more than you know um, I had to cancel my event Pretty on purpose because well COVID-19, COVID-19. So, absolutely not <laughs> um but hopefully we'll be back in September as usual follow us on Twitter and Instagram creating candor Deji, are you following us I, think they are. I don't I don't know that was not very confident well wow. anyway um yeah follow us at creating candor as well uh, candor spelled c-a-n-d-o-r um, please use the hashtag creating candor. join in the conversation on twitter um, and actually if you follow our twitter I posted a link uh, the other day where you can send us a voice note so send in your voice note send in your rants, don't just plug yourself <laughs> grow up did. Send in your reference, send in your words of wisdom, send in an uplifting message, send in a dilemma, send in anything, talk to me. COVID-19 is about to have us all doing some real social distancing, so send in your voice notes and I will play them um, from week to week. I might even do a whole episode just full of you lot's voice notes, so please send them through so I don't feel like a loner. Um, As usual, be kind, be bold, be honest with yourselves. Um... And I will see you next week. Desi, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you. Even though you have told me I was a child on more than one occasion in this episode. um, I appreciate you still. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, that's that. Really and truly.
1: Thank you.